Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We believe that the gospel really is good news, that the blood of Jesus worked, and that Jesus meant it when he said, It is finished. In Christ, we are dead to sin and alive to God, forgiven and free, clean and close, holy and beloved, blessed and made new. If God is doing something special in your life, we would love for you to tell us about it. You can simply email us at info at lifejourneyva.com. One of the reasons we are able to provide these weekly podcasts is because of the generosity of people like you. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, get our Bibles out. We're going to go, uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter three for most of the morning. Hey, buddy. How are you, man? Doing all right? Good to see you. Um, we're going to uh, be in Colossians chapter three for most of the morning. There are some other places we're going to hit to. But for those who haven't been here with us in a while, maybe this is your first time, we've been working through this series that we're calling um, Christianity All Natural. We've got this cool little uh, graphic, I think, I hope. Yeah, perfect. Um, and, and the idea behind this is um, we're trying to discover what Christianity really is without all the add-ons. Uh, as I've said the last several weeks, in fact, this is actually the 10th week of us do- doing this. feels like it, we just started but um, we, we've, we've admitted that over 2,000 years, there's been a lot of things that have been added to the gospel. Um, you know, I come from a Baptist background, nothing wrong with Baptist. Uh, I love them. I, I was one. But the, the issue with me was we, in our culture of Baptists, we kept adding on things. Uh, for example, for example, we believed that you were not permitted to take the Lord's Supper unless you've been baptized by water since believing in Jesus. So you could not celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus by bread and wine or or Baptist juice until you've been dunked. Dunking is a great deal. We talked about baptism last week, didn't we? But why in the world would we withhold the celebration of the death and the resurrection of Jesus with the bread and the fruit of the vine until you've gone into water? But that was something that we had added on to the gospel and and said, this is really what makes you okay with God. And so we all come from different backgrounds, different scenarios, different places like that, whether we come from, you know, uh, uh, a mainstream denomination or even no denomination. I've talked with a lot of people who have not grown up in church, and when I talk to them about the gospel, they've got their own understanding of what they think the gospel is which is nothing with what the apostles are teaching. And so really it doesn't matter if you grew up in church or didn't grow up in church. We all, unfortunately, after 2,000 years of church history, have come to the table with some add-ons. And all we're hoping to do over these weeks as we do this, however long we're going to do it, is just to strip back the add-ons and just see what really is this? What is the gospel without all the add-ons. And so we talked a couple weeks ago about the, the four promises of the, of the new covenant, that the new covenant is nothing like the old covenant, that in the new covenant we actually have a new heart. So if, if a, a big add-on is that your heart, Christian, is wicked, that is not the gospel. That's been added on. Your heart is righteous. You have a new heart. Your heart was wicked, Jacob, but now it is Israel. It is new. It is prevailer with God. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. But we also had this promise that there's this permanent intimacy with God, that he does not leave us, he does not forsake us. How many times have we thought over our Christian life that if we and when we sin, we've been taught that God is now far off. He's distant from you because you're now dirty because you sinned and and you need to get that sin taken care of in order to be close again to God. That's an add-on. That's not what the apostles taught. And then the fourth promise we looked at is that he actually forgives our sins so much so that he actually remembers our sin no more. And that's tough to swallow when our religious makeup is all about trying to think through our lives and think through our, our last 72, 48 hours, whatever, and see how many times have we sinned so that we go to God and get those sins forgiven. Well, the truth, that's all add-on. 
the truth is that he declares, God himself declares, I remember your sins no more. So in essence, when we go to talk to God about our sins and we think we gotta apologize for our sins in order to get forgiven of our sins, his response isn't, oh, now you're forgiven. His response is what? What sin? Oh, you mean all the stuff I put 2,000 years ago onto my son? Oh, I'm very familiar with it, but it's gone now. And I said last week, one of the most profound thoughts is the infinite, I mean, the um, omniscient God of the universe has forgotten something, and that is your record of sinning. The cross is so powerful that it actually removed from the memory banks of the omniscient God your sin account. Now, what does that make you want to go do? Rob the liquor store? No. That makes you want to just say, what? Wow. Thank you. And that's what the gospel really does. And so what we've been talking about the last, last week, and we're going to talk about it for a few weeks now, is, is our identity. What is our identity? We talked last week a little bit about our death, how we've died. We don't realize that we've already died, most of us, but we've actually already died. Our old man has died, and a brand new man has been created. Uh, most, most of us, we talked about this a little bit last week, we think that we have two natures. We have the old sinful nature that is who we are, but we've got this new nature that is who we are, and we're trying to fight between our two natures. Yes, the power of sin still lives in our mortal bodies, but we are not the power of sin. We have been circumcised, cut away from that, and our old man has been crucified with Christ. We talked about this last week, and a brand new man raised. And so, yes, the desires to sin are within us, but it's the power of sin. That's not who you are. You are a new creation. In fact, we talked about this last week, you, the real you, who you really are, and this is why we're talking about identity, who you really, you want to sin as much as Jesus wants to sin. And you say, well, that's not my experience. Well, I'm telling you, let's get our experiences to match up with the truth rather than to water the truth down to match your experience. Do you see that? The truth is that you, the true you, your new heart, your new core, you want to sin as much as God wants to sin because you're born of him. But sin in your mortal bodies, it, it, it wants to what? It wants to sin for sure. But you've been cut away from that. This is the, what the apostles have, been, have written, and, and we've been in our Bibles for 2,000 years, but we, we, don't, we don't know it. Because we've had add-ons and add-ons and add-ons. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take the next step in this identity focus and talk about our new life in Christ. But we can't talk about our new life in Christ until we talked last week about our death, the ending of the old man. And identity is so huge for us as a culture. You know, it, we, we ask questions like, like, who am I? Like, who am I? Uh, uh, what is the uh, dot-com thing? Um, uh, hereditary.com or what? Ancestry.com. Man, that thing, I wish I bought stock in that when it first came out because that thing has exploded. Everybody wants to know who they are, where they've come from. Now you can actually do DNA. You've seen these commercials? You can actually send off DNA in the mail. And they come back with a report. I bet it's just they generate something. They don't really do anything, you know. They take your money and they just send you a form letter. But... Um, but they, you're supposed to be able to discover your heritage all the way down to like, you know, the village and, you know, wherever, you know, that, that you came from or what. I, I don't know. But we're intrigued by who are we? Where do we come from? What am I doing? And where am I going? Those are identity sort of questions. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where, what am I doing here? And where am I headed? And what I'm just trying to help us to do is just push back from the table and let's say, wait a second, there's something so much bigger going on than just flesh and blood. There's something going on in another world, another reality called the Spirit that, that supersedes what we can see with our eyes. And if we don't consider the things of the Spirit and we just consider the things we can see, then we're going to miss the revelation of Christ in us. And so... We're going to pick up in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. We're going to try to run through the first 17 verses if we have time uh, for that, which maybe we will, maybe we won't. 
So he starts off, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Colossae. He says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ. Now, if you were here with us last week, uh, you, should, you might remember this. this. We'll have a couple of Greek geek moments this morning. This is just like some of those conditional sentences we saw last week. This is, if you remember, first class conditional. It means since you have been raised up with Christ. This is, in English, it kind of sounds, if you have, and I'm not sure if you have. That's what it kind of sounds like in English. But in the original language, this is, this is since you have been raised up with Christ, okay? Since you have. Therefore, since you have been raised up with Christ, Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so there's been a death. We talked about our death last week, but we're now seeing that there's in this identity focus, there's a resurrection. We've been raised up with Christ. Every single one of us would raise our hands if you believe in Jesus and you say, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, you can't really be a believer if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I, mean, it's, I don't think it's possible. But what we don't see is that there's another side to that resurrection coin. Yes, Jesus raised from the dead, but guess what? So did you. You died with him. He died, and you died with him. You were, he was buried. You were buried with him. But now he rose from the dead, and if you have placed your faith and trust in Christ, you have been raised from the dead. And I put in big red letters here, with him, with Christ. That word with, it, it, it means almost in this idea of in the exact same manner glued to, with him, partnered with. Like we use the word like um, uh, co-something, co, what's a good example? Co, um, cooperate, like you're know, working together, cooperate. Any, any other ideas, words, co, you know, talking about co, co, co huh? Cojoined, okay, there, perfect word. You come together, it, it is this glue together, and that's the same uh, preposition with. We, in the exact same way he was raised from the dead, we have been raised from the dead in the Spirit. If you've been raised up with him, and we have, keep seeking the things above. Continue seeking this place, this reality that exists. Because Paul isn't talking about the flesh. He's not talking about what we can see and touch. He's talking about another realm, another world. Remember what, what Jesus said to Pilate when Pilate on trial, he says to Jesus, are you, in fact, the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, listen, my kingdom is of another realm, another world that we cannot see, the kingdom of heaven. And what Paul is saying is, since we've been raised up into that kingdom, let's keep seeking that kingdom. Let's keep dwelling on, let's keep focusing on, let's keep paying attention to this other kingdom where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And I know I prayed this earlier when I was praying, but let's just do some good, you know, uh, equations here. If Christ is seated at the right hand of God and we are with Christ, where are we now seated? At the right hand of God. See, the add-ons have said, well, you know, God is in some far-off distant place, and when we are praying, we're praying some sort of long-distance, you know, prayer. But what the truth is, the reality, without all the add-ons, is that we are in Christ, and Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, and so we are seated right with him. That's the reality. Now, how often do we hear that? How often are we encouraged to think on that? And the apostle is saying, keep seeking these things. And he actually put that together in a way which literally means continue, keep on continuously seeking these things. Seek this reality. He's not like saying seek after, like try to get raised. He's saying you have been raised. Now continue in this unredeemed, being renewed mind on your 80-year plan. Let's keep on dwelling on this. Let's keep on focusing on this new reality. In fact, he makes it really clear in verse 2. He says, set your mind. It, 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 also the idea of set your affection, set your attention, set your focus on the things above. Now, above, is he talking like, you know, you've got her earth here and you've got like, you know, heaven here. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think he's like talking spatially. I think he's talking this other world. And 
Jesus talks about the fact that this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, is now actually within us. In fact, Paul also says that same thing in 2 Corinthians 4, where he says that this treasure, this new covenant, this new kingdom, this treasure is inside of these weak earthen vessels. So it's within. It's not far off. In fact, in Ephesians, Paul says that he came to you who were far off preaching the gospel. And so we were far off, but now it's near. So we should not think of God as being in some sort of other zip code, some sort of other uh, um, place. In fact, Jesus says, behold, I'm going to prepare a place so that where I am there you may be also. And he went to the cross, and three days later he rose from the dead so that you could be where he is with him in the kingdom of heaven within. So keep setting our mind. This above, it's this unseen spiritual reality. And he says, keep setting your mind on things that are above, your attention, your focus, your, your mindset, and not on the things that are on earth. And tell me that's easy to do, and I'll like, you know, call you a liar. Because everything we see around us is so, so hard to, it, it, it affects us, whether it be employment, like your brother-in-law, or whether it be, you know, finances, or whether it be relationships. It, it just affects us so powerfully. But what the apostle is saying is you will never succeed in having what he's going to get to later in verse 16, a peace within if we're continuing to try to find our identity from the things of this world. The things of this world are fun, they're enjoyable, but they cannot become your value. Keep on looking for where your value truly is, which is in the the new heart and the kingdom of heaven. In fact, Isaiah 43, I think, yeah, Isaiah 43 this is hundreds of years before Jesus. This is the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus. God prophesies through Isaiah. He, he says, do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. So this is hundreds of years before Jesus, and he's declaring that something new is going to happen. And he says this, Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I just just read that as so prophetic. There is within us literally the kingdom of heaven, Christ in his fullness, dwelling richly within us. And I hear God hundreds of years before it even happened saying, are you going to even be aware of what you actually have within? Be careful. You're going to miss the fullness of what I've done. Don't consider the things of the old, external, because I'm going to do something new within. And he says at the end here, he says, I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Man, if I, I don't have time to like park on that, but I wish I could. Roadways in the wilderness. Think about our condition before Christ. Nothing but thistles and thorns and wilderness. Remember the curse that God gave? Uh, the, the ground, it'll be thorns, it'll be thistles, and you'll be by your sweat will you make your bread. But yet the Lord himself made a roadway through the middle of that wilderness. And he says, rivers in the midst of a desert. Look, I've never been in a, stranded in a desert, and I'm like, like not signing up to be. But like when I get hot and thirsty, I just want some water. Can you imagine being stranded in a desert for you know days? People die in that regard. But what he is saying is in the midst of this desert, think about pre-Christ, pre-Jesus, nothing but desert. Hey, guys, nothing but desert. And now there's living, streaming waters. And, and I hear the, the Lord crying out, will you not be aware of it? Will you miss it? Will you add on all this other garbage to where you actually end up missing the truth of what the gospel really is? And so the apostle, going back to Colossians, he says, keep seeking the things above. Don't set your focus, your affections, your mind on that which is below because that's not where your identity is. That's not where your your hope is. That's not even where your home is. That's not where your citizenship is. You have a whole new life, a whole new existence. And he explains it. Verse 3, 4, F-O-R, remember, that's 
if you ever see FOR, he's going to explain what he just said. Don't look at that which is below earth. Set your focus on that which is above, for you have died. And, then, and we're not going to get into that detail because we talked about that last week. You've died. Your old life in Adam that you got from him, the old spiritual core, it's dead. And your life now, your new life, is now hidden with Christ. There's that with Christ again, same idea, co, co-joined, with Christ in God. This word hidden, it's actually, I was talking with Jamie about this yesterday in the driveway. This is actually the word that we get in English, um, uh, encryption, encryption. So think about this. Your life, your new life is so hidden, so encrypted with Jesus's life that you can't tell where your life ends and Jesus's life begins. Do you see this? Hidden. Back when I was a kid, we had these these games. Um, you 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 had like this key and it had all these shapes, and the shapes had like a little key over here that the shape was this shape was A, the shape was B, the shape was C. You guys know what I'm talking about. And then the, over here, you had this puzzle, and you had to like use the key to un- decrypt the hidden message in the puzzle. Anybody ever? Okay, just okay. Got some head shaking. All right. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you didn't have a childhood. Um, <laughs> And so, and so we would play these games where we would try to, uh, and we would even make up our own, you know, secret, you know, uh, cryptid, you know, encrypted uh, phrases and stuff, and we'd have fun with it. And that's what we see Jesus saying, uh, the apostles saying, your life, it's so hidden, it's encrypted that you might not be able to see it at first, but you are as one with Jesus as it possibly can get. One of my favorite movies is U571, and it's not because I've got like some sort of man crush on Matthew McConaughey, okay? It's because um, uh, it's a great World War II movie, and they are out looking for, I think it's called like the Enigma or something. They're looking for this machine that encrypts, this German uh, encryption machine that encrypts messages, and they get it, and they are able to decrypt some of the messages and actually win, you know, a lot of battles as a result. But it's just a great movie. But that's what I hear when I hear Paul saying your life is hidden. It is, it is not visible at first. It's difficult to see. But the one who has the solution, the one who has the key, the one who has the ability to read the encryption, he knows the reality. And who is it that knows that what is hidden? Who is it that knows what is encrypted in Christ? That's God himself. We might not be able to see it at all times because we're looking through the, this, this, as Paul says, this mirror dimly lit, this window dimly lit, this glass. We can't really see it clearly. It's all encrypted. It's hard to tell. It's hidden. But it is as crystal clear to Jesus as the nose on your own face. Who was hidden? Who was encrypted in the Old Testament? Jesus. Paul says that in the previous chapter, or two chapters earlier, Colossians 1, he says that he was hidden from generations past. Same word. He was encrypted from generations past. But now Christ has been revealed to the saints. Colossians 1. Jesus was hidden in the Old Testament and now has been revealed. Who is now hidden in Christ? You. You and me. You and I. In a mysterious, I don't, I, you ask me to explain how it exactly works, and, and I, I'm going to come up short. But just as Jesus was hidden in the Old Testament, where everything was about him, remember how he says in John 5, you didn't believe Moses. If you believe Moses, you believe me, because Moses wrote about me. The entire Old Testament is about Jesus, but we didn't see it. They missed it. But just as Jesus was hidden in the Old Testament and is now revealed, you and I are hidden in Christ. Well, are we going to be revealed? Go to verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, there's, there's some add-ons that's happened with that phrase. We've added on to the fact of, well, Jesus needs to be a what in your life? Starts with a P and ends with a royalty. Priority. 
Jesus needs to be a priority in your life. Anybody ever heard that? I mean, I used to preach that. But that's not what the apostles taught. The apostles didn't teach that Jesus should be number one priority in your life. The apostles taught that Jesus, what? Is your life. He's not a priority. He is your life. And so when you're making French toast for the kids in the morning, guess what? Jesus is your life. When you're making a deal, you know, in, in, your, in your place of business, guess what? Jesus is your life. You don't do your five minutes of Jesus in the morning and say, thank you, you know, read some scripture, and then go on your merry way. I prioritize Jesus. Now I can go on to the rest. Jesus is our life. Huge add-on that we've got to strip away. He is our life. Well, when he, Jesus, who is our life, is revealed. When he is revealed for who he is, and then the moments in which he's revealed, I don't think he's talking about just necessarily, you know, some sort of future. I'm just saying whenever he's revealed, when he's revealed in someone's life, when he's revealed, you know, Sunday morning, wow, there's Jesus. When he is revealed, whenever he's revealed, guess what? Then you also will be revealed with him in glory. That is so cool to me. We are so hidden with him that as the Old Testament scriptures become real to us when we see not, let me read this Old Testament story and try to think of how do I need to be a better person and better this, you know, have the courage of David, have the, you know, the, the faith of Abraham. Like, not, but when we see it's actually about Jesus and it's about his work and his uh, story of his life and of his mission, and we start getting the revelation of how all this Old Testament is actually Jesus and our, our mind is just being blown in amazing ways because we're seeing now the hidden message of Jesus throughout the Old Testament. When that same Jesus is now revealed, we're actually revealing what's hidden in Christ. And who is hidden in Christ? It's us. So this, is, this, is, this has got to be one of the most important identity markers of the new covenant because if we don't see how our life is inextricably linked and joined, co-joined, I love that word, to Christ, then we're going to, we're going to spin our wheels trying to do good for Jesus in a complete, without an understanding of where our life actually comes from and who we actually are. And so he picks up on this application, this what does this mean in our lives? And in verse 5, he says, Therefore, because your life is, is so hidden with Christ that you can't tell where his life ends and your life begins. He says, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality. Immorality, that's just a big fancy word for uh, fornication, sexual immorality. In fact, the word that we get pornography comes from the Greek word we translate here immorality. He said, consider, because your life is so linked and so uh, attached, so encrypted in Christ, and as you see Christ, you're actually seeing who you now are because you're hidden in him. When he's revealed, you're revealed. When you get to know Jesus, you get to know you. Therefore, Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to these things. Immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, greed, which amounts to idolatry. Passions, that's uh, lusts, that's desiring things that are not yours, particularly in a sexual way. He's saying, since you are so linked, since your identity comes from Jesus Christ himself, these things that do not come from Jesus Christ himself, it's time to put these things away. What we're going to actually see over the next couple of verses is what I like to think of as a wardrobe swap. He's saying that you have been so changed, so radically made new, the old dead, a new has now come, that the clothing, i.e. The, the actions, the behaviors, the attitudes that used to fit the old man, I mean, and they fit them well, idolatry, what were those other things, uh, immorality, wickedness, etc. Those things that fit the old man perfectly, those things no longer fit you because you 
are so hidden in Christ that the only things that fit you are the things that fit who? Christ. He says it's because of these things, immorality, wickedness, etc., that the wrath of God comes. I mean, don't you realize it's because of this craziness, this immorality, that God's wrath came against sinners? And so why in the world would we participate in the very things that caused his wrath in the first place? And in verse 7, this is huge identity verse, verse 7, and in them, immorality, impurity, uh, lust, etc., you also once walked. Past tense. Do you see that? You once walked in that. You were living in them. To which we're all saying, well, wait a second. I just kind of did one of those things this last week. Listen, we stumble in many ways, James says, but that does not mean you're walking in them. He, this is an identity passage. You once were those things. In fact, he says in Ephesians, you were darkness, but now you are light. And so he says, you once walked in them. You were living in them, but not anymore. Now, you walk where? In Christ. Your life is hidden in him. And so wherever Jesus walks, guess where you walk? Is Jesus walking in impurity? Is Jesus walking in idolatry? Is Jesus walking in all these things? No. And so neither do you. And so seeing how you truly walk, how you truly live in the Spirit Let's set our mind on this. Let's set our focus, our affections on how we truly walk, on our true identity, and guess what follows? Behavior in this world follows. And he gets into that. But now, here's this wardrobe swap. These old clothes don't fit, but now you also, seeing your new identity, seeing who you truly are, put them aside. Put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Put them aside. They don't fit. It's not who you are. Why in the world are you trying to cram into that other, you know, outfit when you, it doesn't fit you anymore? You've matured. You used to wear that when you were scrawny little, you know, twerp. But now you got some godly physique going on. It doesn't fit. You know, skinny jeans aren't cool in the kingdom, apparently. Throw them away. This is not what fits you. Moving on, he says, do not lie to one another. Why would we not lie? Well, since you laid aside the old self and its desires. When you died, the desires that you once had to sin are now gone. And the only desires to sin that you are now familiar with are the desires of sin itself that live in your body. But that's not you. That's not your desires. Your life is now hidden where? with Christ. Why do we keep saying that, Walt? Because we don't get it. We don't see it. We don't believe it. Your life is now hidden where? With Christ. And so the only clothes, I'm air quoting for our podcast listeners. By the way, I checked podcasts. 2,500 podcast listeners in the last 30 days. What the heck's going on there? I don't know, but praise the Lord for that. Um, but I'm using air quotes for our podcast listeners. The only clothes that now fit you, when I talk about clothes, like actions, behaviors, thoughts, the only clothes that fit you are the clothes that fit Christ because your life is what? Hidden with him. Now, does that mean we don't screw up and mess up and do stupid stuff? Of course we do because we get dumb and we forget. But we're here to remember. We're here to be, return to the truth of our identity in Christ. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and since you have put on the new self, this new heart, the new you, who is being renewed all the time to the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So get this idea. The old man with its evil passions are dead and gone, and now you are created new in the very image of Christ himself. That's what I'm getting at. The clothes that fit you are the clothes that fit him. There's only like, it's a one size fits all because we're all the same size in the kingdom of heaven. We're the size of Jesus in that sense of clothing, of what is appropriate for us to wear because it is, because we're hidden with him. You are renewed to this according to the knowledge, to the true knowledge, according to the image of this one who created. 
Verse 11, and it's a renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free man. In other words, going back to verse three, this isn't about this world. It's not about the things we can see. Don't set your mind on, oh, he's barbarian, he's Scythian, he's slave, he's free, he's Jew, he's Gentile. Paul's like, stop looking at this world. Stop looking at the things that define us and divide us in this world. There's something inward. There's something eternal that is now in you that defines who you are, and your life is now hidden with Christ. I can say a little bit better, I hope, maybe. So, verse 12, because of all this, here's some more application, as those who have been, and here's some identity, chosen of God. See, remember, only the Jews thought they were chosen of God. And he's writing to Colossae. Colossians, they were not Jews. They were Gentiles. And what Paul is saying is, you Gentiles, guess what? You're now chosen too. You're in. If you believe, you're in. He has chosen not just the Jew, but the Gentile alike. You are now chosen of God. You are holy. You are beloved. This is your identity, who you are. Because of your this Put on. You see the wardrobe? You see the clothing? Put something on. And what do we put on? Well, stuff that fits the new heart. Compassion. That fits the new heart. Whatever fits Jesus fits you because you are hidden in him. Heart of compassion. A heart of kindness. A heart of humility. Gentleness. Patience. These are fruit of the Spirit. He would call this fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Put on what fits Why should I put that on? Well, because I'm hidden in Christ, and it fits Christ. It's who I am. Um, So this new wardrobe fits you because it fits Jesus. A good thing to ask, I think, is when when an action or a thought or a, a, a desire comes to your mind, a good question to ask is, does this action desire, does this fit with what I know about Jesus. Does this fit with what I know about Jesus? Because if it doesn't fit him and I'm hidden in him, then it doesn't fit me because my life is encrypted in his life. Does that make sense? If it doesn't fit him, it doesn't fit you. But if we don't see ourselves as being hidden in him, if we see ourselves as still dirty, rotten sinners, rotten at the core with a wicked heart, then when wicked things come to our mind, we're like, well, it fits because I am wicked. But the truth is, no, wicked died. And you are now a new creation hidden in Christ Jesus himself. You've got to see that. Most of us, unfortunately, maybe not in this room, but in general, Christianity, are looking to Moses to tell us what to do and how to live. And what I hear the apostles saying is that Jesus himself is where we look because he is our life. He's our life. And that's where we look. Where do you look? You look to your life, and who's your life? Jesus. If it fits him, it fits you. I mean, it's pretty simple, but we just have mixed it up. We've added so much to it that just doesn't make any sense. And he gives a couple more little examples. He doesn't cover everything. He's just sharing some examples. He talks about bearing with one another. It fits Christ. Bearing with one another fits Christ. I mean, think about the woman caught in adultery. Think about the cross. Bearing one another. Think about Mary and Martha when Lazarus is is dead. I mean, he cries with them, bearing one another's burden. Why does that fit you? Because it fits him, and you are hidden in him. Whoever, and forgiving one another. Why does forgiving others fit? Because it fits him. Do, Do you see the pattern? How do we know how to live? Well, what do we know of Jesus? It's not just simply what would Jesus do. It's who is he? He is my life, and that's how I now live. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, forgive them, forgive. Just as, and he gets coming back to identity. He keeps coming back to this reality. Just as the Lord forgave you, so you should, because it fits. This isn't Paul's new version of the Ten Commandments. He's just saying, see what fits. And if it fits Christ, it fits you because you're hidden in him. So see how it says, forgive just as the Lord forgave you. Well, here's the deal. How did the Lord forgive you? Did the Lord, A, we'll come over here for A. 
did the Lord forgive you of all your sins when you, the ones that you came to him and asked to be forgiven? And he held out forgiveness until you came and said, oh, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. Is that how he forgave you and, and forgives you? If so, if that is how he forgave you, then I bet I can guess how you forgive other people. You hold something over their head until they come crawling over glass, you know, which I say that because I was in a place in, uh, not Costa, was it Costa Rica? Um, and they literally would crawl over all this stuff in this uh, church building to get to the statue of a rock that resembled the Virgin Mary in order to beg for forgiveness of their sins. It was just the most, it was crazy. It was just absolutely crazy. I just wanted to hug the people and say, it's finished. Um, I don't know if I've ever said that story before, but I'll, I'll share the further, fuller, the rest of it later. But um, uh, if that's how you forgive, if that's how you see Jesus forgiving you when you beg and plead and ask for it, then that's probably how you forgive others. You wait for them to beg and plead and ask, and you hold it against them until. But we'll go over here for B. If you see how he actually forgave you once and for all, all your sins 2,000 years ago placed on Jesus, and when you were born again, you were baptized into his death, and you now have received full forgiveness of all your sins, past, present, future, I bet I can guess how you forgive other people. You probably don't wait for them to come crawling to you over glass, begging for forgiveness before you then choose to forgive them. You probably, if you see how he has forgiven you, you probably take the initiative and even forgive them before they even do anything. You've already, because that's how he's forgiven us. So seeing how he has forgiven us, put that on, because that fits, because it fits him. Beyond all these things, verse 14, put on love. Because really love is the whole deal. It's a whole enchilada. Remember in Galatians when he does the fruit of the Spirit, Love is the first one. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Love. Put on love. Why put on love? Because it fits. And it is, it, it, which is the perfect bond of unity. And it's not just unity amongst believers, though that's fantastic. But I think he's talking about it is the bond of unity that actually causes your hiddenness, your encryption into Christ Jesus. It is his love for you, the Father's love for you, Christ's love for you that joins you to him. It is the perfect bond. And so if it fits him, it fits who? You. And then last verse or so says, let the peace of Christ and this is what we were talking about when we were singing that song earlier, Craig. This peace of Christ. And this peace, this is, this, is a, this is not, let's don't think of peace as everything's going perfect in my life. Let's think of peace of I've got an anchor that holds somewhere else. See, there can be people, in fact, the person who wrote that song, It Is Well With My Soul, he wrote that song after his wife and children died um, there was a fire, then they, they get on the boat to go across to England, and the boat sinks, and they all die, except for, I think, the wife. And so peace isn't, man, I've got to get, I'll have peace when everything is working around me. Peace is a confidence in this other reality, a life in Christ, where my life is so hidden with him, and I'm dwelling, I am keep on seeking this thing that is above, to the point where everything else around me can actually be falling apart. I don't want it to fall apart. I'm not on that list either. I don't want things to be falling apart. But if they do fall apart, there's still a peace that remains because my confidence, my identity is somewhere else. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, which indeed you were called into one body. And be thankful, thankful. The opposite of peace is war, division, battling, tension, anxiety, double-mindedness. And I hear the apostle begging us to allow this growing revelation of our new identity to flood every single crevice of our lives. And a peace that surpasses understanding is the result. A peace that only Jesus can bring. A peace that is so desired by all, but yet experienced by so few. So how does this peace that we all want, how do we get it into our lives? Verse 16, here it is. Let the word of Christ richly 
dwell within you. And this is not simply the 66 books of the Bible. That would be a different word for word. He's not talking about written books. He's talking about the message of Jesus Christ, the truth of what he has actually done. Let that richly dwell, keep seeking this thing that is above with all wisdom Teach each one about it. Warn everyone about it, admonishing one another. Sing about it with hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our heart. Not duty, not, not, not um, anxiety, oh, what have I done for the Lord lately, but with a sheer overwhelming thankfulness boiling up from within our hearts. And whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks. You hear how many times he's saying thankfulness, 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 thankfulness. So here's our journey marker this morning. If you're new with us, journey marker is just, let's try to boil this all down into a somewhat simple little thought so we can kind of package it and go home with it. It's this. <clears throat> when my godly identity is clear, okay, I'm seeking the reality of my life hidden, when that's clear to me, the clearer and clearer that gets. When my godly identity is clear, guess what? My godly activity is near. Does that make sense? When my godly identity is clear, when it's clear of who I actually am and how hidden I am with him, guess what is near? The acting out of that. It's so clear to me what I put on all these things that he said to put on and what I put off, what I, what I stopped fooling around with, is so clear to me because it doesn't fit Christ and I'm in Christ. And so if it doesn't fit him, it doesn't fit me. And so if my godly identity becomes clear, guess what's going to follow right behind my godly activity? Love, patience, joy, the fruit of the Spirit. But if those things aren't near, it's not because you're not trying hard enough it's not because you're not doing enough for the Lord. It's really because we don't see clearly enough who we actually are. You see, our, our, our actions, our, our behavior is simply the fruit of, a, of us grasping the truth of who we actually are. I can guarantee, as I stand on the authority of the apostles before us, if you were to see just how encrypted your life is in Christ, just how joined, co-joined you are to him. If you are to see the truth of that reality, guess what's going to follow? Godly living. It follows it. It doesn't precede it. Here's an add-on. An add-on is let me do godly behavior so that I can become Beloved, so that I can become forgiven, so I can become holy. See, that's, that's backwards. The truth is, see what you have become. Let that get clearer, your godly identity. Let that get clear, and guess what's going to follow? Your godly activity will be near. Does that make sense? Does that sound, does that sound, does that sound does that bear witness with your spirit? It's let me see who I really am, and then I'll put on what really fits. But if I'm trying to put on clothes that just simply don't fit because I'm a new creation, it's going to be, it's going to be a waste of time. It's going to be frustration city. But if we see our true identity and how in, in, as clearly as possible, that godly activity will follow. So here's what we saw today. We got three things that I want to uh, remind us of. And then if we're new, if you're new with us, we spent a few minutes at the end just asking, are there any comments, any, any words of encouragement, any thoughts, any, um, hey, but what about? And so we will do that here in a second. So here's just what we saw. We are, number one, at the right hand of God because of Jesus. That's where we are. We are there. We're not trying to get there. We're not doing things to get there. We're not volunteering for the community. We're not doing good in order to get there. We are there because of Jesus. Our life, number two, is so blended, so encrypted with Christ that you cannot see where your life ends and where his life begins. We are hidden with Christ in God. And that's a radical thought for most of us because we can't be that clean. We, in order to be hidden with Christ, you have to be as clean as Christ. Otherwise, you'd kind of stick out like a sore thumb, wouldn't you? You can't be hidden. You can't be encrypted 
if you're dirty. So guess what? You're not dirty. Well, I just did something dirty yesterday. Well, guess what? That's the whole point of the cross. It's removed as far as the east is from the west. And if anybody hears that and thinks, oh, then I want to go out and do more dirty, then you're not hearing, you're not seeing the truth of the gospel. You're, 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 you're confused, you're double-minded, you're being deceived. But as you see just how clean you are and how encrypted with him you are, then that generates within you the desires that he has placed within you to put on what fits him because it fits you. So you're so blended with Christ that you can't see where your life ends and his life begins. And number three, what did we see today? God's desire is that we continuously keep on setting our minds on this truth. You see, this message of the gospel is not, okay, we've got 12 months a year. We're going to talk about the gospel and this truth, okay, in January and February. Then in March, April, May, we're going to move on to, you know, stewardship and and to finances. And then we're going to talk about this. And then we're going to talk about this other topic. No, this message of the finished work of Christ is the only message of the church. See, all this other stuff has been added onto it. Now, we can certainly flesh out, okay, how does this now affect our marriage? Which, in fact, I'm working on a three or four part series on marriage and how the finished work of Christ affects our marriage. So we can connect those dots for sure, and we do. But, but he wants us to continuously keep on setting our minds, our affections on this truth. And as we do, as we see it, we'll start wearing this wardrobe that actually fits our new heart. It's not Let's not be deceived and, and, and think that we're in a, a behavior improvement plan. That's not it. It is you are so stinking new that the old clothes just don't fit you anymore, and you've got this brand-new wardrobe. Let's go, let's, go, let's go wear it out. Let's go try it all on because it's who you actually are. Let me pray for us, and then we'll open up for some conversation. Father, I hope that this has been edifying to the saints. I pray that this has been encouraging to even those who perhaps don't know the, the gospel, don't, haven't heard the truth of our new life in Christ. And Father, there's just been so many years of add-ons. I pray that, that somehow we've gotten back to a simple reality that we are hidden with Christ. And whatever fits him fits us. We're not looking to Moses to know how to live. We're not trying to follow commandments, not trying to follow the law, we're just trying to live out who we really are, but I just want us to see who we really are. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So Father, help us to see our godly identity. Let it be clear. And then what follows is the godly activity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to today's podcast of The Teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We'd love to hear from you. If God is doing something special in your life, let us know by sending an email to info at lifejourneyva.com. Feel free to pass today's teaching on to any friends and family that you'd like, but please don't change any of it or charge for it. This podcast is made available for free as a ministry of Life Journey Church. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com. Have a great day.